Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out, well, not really a Woken Bake, not really a streaming service and chill, kind of a combination of the two, but not at all my podcast. You see, I was blessed enough to be invited to come back on to the Blunt Talk segment of the Chokes and Tokes podcast. Now, if you are not familiar with them, I will include a link to their podcast down at the very, very bottom. And I gotta say, I am always uh, grateful to talk to uh, my Canadian brethren, all right? So uh, check out the podcast, let me know what you think, and let me know if you agree with our picks. Now, what are we talking about with picks? Well, here you go. Upcoming uh, UFC fight night this Saturday, as well as dun, da, da, dun, the Iron Mike Tyson, Roy, y'all must have forgot, Jones Jr. getting it down, getting in the ring this Saturday for our entertainment. Now, it's supposed to be a, I don't know, a, an exhibition match, but we'll see how that really turns out, because they're banned from knockouts, but are they really going to be banned from knockouts? Can you imagine a fight with Roy Jones Jr. and Mike Tyson where knockouts aren't allowed? Now, they've got weird rules. There's the no knockouts allowed, no judges ringside, the winner will not be declared, and if a cut occurs, the fight is over. Eight rounds, two minutes each. Israel Adesanya con- uh, commentating. And this is an exhibition, so no bets are allowed. Is that really going to happen? I don't know. Are, are you really not going to see a knockout with Mike Tyson and Roy Jones in the ring? Probably not. I, I can't imagine that the first time uh, a punch lands, they're not going to go bananas. However... That being said, let me know what you think about the fight, and we'll go from there. Also, this weekend in the UFC main event, Curtis Razor Blades and Derek the Black Beast Lewis. Let me know how you think about this one. I, I mean, I've got sentimental favorites, and then I've got favorites. So we talk about that, we break it down, and we have that awesome discussion. All right, folks. Uh, solid shout-out to my supporters, Red Run Cannabis Company and Iron Asylum. More on them after the podcast. All right, you guys are beautiful. You gals are beautiful. You others are gorgeous. All right, folks, have a great day. Or night. Or whenever it is you're listening to this. Thank you for listening to this. And go check out the Chokes and Tokes podcast. Again, the link will be down at the bottom uh, in the description. All right, folks, have a great day. Have a great uh, evening. Have a great whenever it is you're listening to this. Thank you again for listening to this. Toodles. What's going on, brother? How you doing, man? Good. How are you doing? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. How are things on your side of the world? I mean, they're good. They're good. Uh, we're supposed to shut down now for another two weeks to, I guess, try to get rid of the virus again. But other than that, things are good. How about on your end? So, we're more or less in the same boat, which is... It's funny because the, the the virus has actually gotten into my household now. So like, so I can now say that I have some experience with it, and, and my household's experience with it has been fucking laughable. Um, you know, like it's it's a weird it's a weird thing because I remember in like in, in January or February when I first started hearing about people in China getting sick. 
and I was like, oh, this is gonna be fucking terrible. This is the end of the world. Oh my gosh. Started seeing these these Instagram videos of people collapsing and dying on the side of the road. And it's like none of it. None of that shit. Nope. Yeah. The the media I found uh drummed it up to be this huge, huge thing. And like don't get me wrong, I mean like I do have these issues for I guess people with pre existing health conditions and stuff, you know what I mean? But uh I find if you take care of yourself, you mean you have a decent immune system, uh I mean, it's almost like getting the flu. If, if that, that's, that was the other thing. Like, this is going to sound pretty terrible to say, but like my wife said that she lost her sense of smell, but her cooking has always been pretty fucking bland. Um, <laughs> so it's like, I don't know what you're missing. Um, she mentioned this afternoon that she could smell my coffee. I'm like, you, you could have smelt it three days ago. Like, you know, you, you, a lot of people, I, I think, psych themselves up for whatever they thought this was going to be and it just it turned out to not be that turned out to be nothing yeah i mean for a lot of people uh but but then there's some uh some young folks who um there's a rapper by the name well there was a rapper by the name of uh fred the godson and um i mean but he had asthma he was probably a diabetic as well um if, if you are if you're doing things to take care of yourself right if you're eating right, if you have some semblance of fitness, of working out, if it does hit you, it's really not going to be that bad. Uh, I mean, there are other other things to, to worry about, like, I guess your, your blood type plays a small part in it. Um, but yeah, if, you, if you're doing the shit that you're supposed to be doing anyway, then generally speaking, you should be fine. It's a nifty bong, sir. That's a... I, uh... I ordered this off Amazon to take on my four-wheeler when I'm out in the woods. Yeah. All, all it is is a Coca-Cola bottle. And uh, you mean I just ordered this attachment and it comes online. You mean like it comes apart and you can slot this in so it's all, you mean, hidden and stuff like that. And it's, yeah, it fits on uh, any, any, say like, I guess, Coca-Cola bottle, Pepsi bottle. You mean any soda bottle, really? <laughs> and uh, you got to bang wherever you go. Yeah, so I thought it was pretty. That's I thought beautiful. it was pretty good. Uh, you know what? Uh, oh, that's. Uh, I mean, it looks like you could modify it and turn it into a dab rig as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. You mean I got a couple of dab rigs there and stuff? You know what I mean? Like. I try to stay clear of them. I find that gives me a pain in my chest. Oh, I think we have yeah, a... that's, um, dabs just hit different, man. Like... Yeah, it's like, um, me, that, that might be me. Hold on a second. Let me fuck around a little bit on my end. All right. Um, yeah, uh, the first, I remember the first dab I took, it was like, it was a fucking existential experience, man. Like, I didn't think I was going to die, but I spent a lot of time thinking about death and like <laughs> the, the afterlife. And I, I could see, the, I could see the universe traveling and expanding and it's like, none of this matters and you only matter to the people you matter to. And fuck, I was stoned. When I did mine, it was, it was like, it was just like, 
a pressure came out my chest, almost like like the big show had a hold of me, and he was just squishing my chest. And I was outside on my buddy's doorstep, and like the sweat beads were just coming off of me, and I was like, man, like never again will I do that, never again. And I mean, here I am now with the dab rigging. I mean, diving regularly, but I truly thought I was gonna die. I said to my buddy, I said, man, I said, if I stop talking, I said, you need to call an ambulance. I said, because, like, I don't know what's happening to me right now. I said, my heart's beating really fast. I said, I'm sweaty. I said, like, I'm going to die. And you mean all of, all of my friends were in there like, oh, like, he's so high. He's so high. But I was, I truly did. I thought I was dying. I thought it was game over. Like, I was like, man, my mom's going to be so disappointed. Like, I'm so young out doing drugs. Like, she's going to be so mad at me. Like, fuck. Everything was going through my head, but yeah, I didn't die, and uh, yeah. <laughs> you? I'm glad you didn't die. <laughs> so what do you think of the, which, I was saying, which card will you be watching this week? Because they have, we have the boxing one, and we have the, you mean UFC card. There's a couple other promotions still in thing, but uh, those are the two mains, I guess. Yeah, well, first question, are you recording now? Uh, one of them, yeah. I don't know which, eh? All right. Well, no, no. I mean, are you recording this uh, this meeting? Oh, absolutely. Always. All right. Perfect. Um, okay. So if we're looking at the cards for this weekend, the, the only fight I, I really have a lot of interest in uh, on, on the boxing card um, is is the, the Mike Tyson card, um, is the Mike Tyson fight. But at the same time, you know, the, there are some very solid fights on that card, but it's not something that I'm going to spend a, a lot of time and energy watching, especially if it's a $70 uh, pay-per-view and there are some really weird technical rules uh, for this particular fight. Um, and I, and I understand that you got to get this fight sanctioned because you, you have two dudes that are in their mid fifties. Um, but with that being said, uh, it's really the only fight. It's the reason people are watching the fight. Now, I guess Jake Paul or Logan Paul, one of those two guys is on this card as well. Badu Jack Getting, is uh, on the card. He's um, fighting Nate Robinson, isn't he? The Powell brother or whatever? I he's don't fighting, know. I think he's fighting like a former NBA player or something like that. I, I, I'm not going to lie. I did tune into his last fight, the Powell brother, when he fought KSI. I was kind of impressed. I'm not going to lie. He uh, he definitely took the training seriously, and he definitely uh, – I found it, it was more in publicity for him. You know what I mean? Like he, I found like he actually wanted to be a fighter kind of thing. Like uh, the way he carried himself into the ring and the way he – I guess the way he showed off his skills that, that he was able to procure in such a short amount of time. Because he did, from what I understand, only start boxing – two years ago or something you mean so to to start boxing two years ago and to be on a world-class stage you mean not fighting world-class talent now but to fight in front of the world and did not do that bad i was kind of impressed and he did get a finish it wasn't a knockout now it was a boxing knockout but uh i'm kind of more i'm more excited for that fight honestly than the mike tyson fight just because of all the stipulations, you mean regarding the Tyson fight? The, the, the rules, the rules for that are are weird. Um, no knockouts, that sort of thing. But I can't believe that you're going to have a fight with Roy Jones and Iron Mike Tyson, and there's not 
no one's going to be going for a headshot. No one's going to be trying to take someone's head off. Um, I don't, I, I don't imagine there are a lot of guys that spend that much time with Rafael Cordero and not try to fuck somebody up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that these are, these are two professional warriors and eventually someone is going to land something and it's going to be like, Oh, this is a real fight. Um, you know, maybe these two men aren't going to try and, and take each other's heads off initially, but uh, Mike Tyson is, is still the man who, uh, let us know that that he wanted to eat the children of um uh ah it's slipping my mind now it's late um uh lennox lewis he wanted to eat lennox lewis's children um so i i think that when you put that man in the ring um with with mr y'all must have forgot himself um someone is going to throw something that's going to be really really clean and, and it's a fight that I'm kind of excited to watch because I think one of them is going to let something slip. It is going to connect and it will be, uh, there will be a knockout, I think, probably inside of the four, uh, four rounds. I'm, uh, I'm really scared. I like, I want the fight, obviously. I mean, like who wouldn't want to watch it? Because the last time Tyson was in the ring, I was 11. I mean, so like, I wasn't even really interested in fighting then. So it's definitely like a huge thing for someone in my generation. But uh, as far as the the rules go, I find it's going to be really, really hard to enforce some of them. Like the no knockout one, like, well, what's considered a knockout? If one of them gets stunned, is that going to be considered their knockout? Do you know what I mean? Because the way boxing considers a knockout and, and UFC consider a knockout, that's two completely different animals. So if Roy Jones, say, throws a nice, clean left hook and catches Tyson. Is the fight then over because Tyson got caught with a clean shot? Like, I'm wondering now what, like, how they're going to stipulate a knockout, or, or is that going to be considered when someone does get dropped? Do you know what I mean? Because like, I don't want to see just the fight start in one nice, clean shot come Tyson get a little bit dazed, or Jones. And then the referee like, nope, it's all over. You mean ten seconds in after this paying your sixty to seventy dollars, whatever it is, to you mean watch it? So you you were you were young and you were probably not around in the eighties when when Tyson was uh, was was knocking people out inside of a, a minute and a half. That was I remember when I was like eight years old. I was talking to my grandma and grandpa, and I was like, Mike Tyson's fighting tonight. Can, can we order it? Can we order it? And my grandfather said, you know, it's going to be over really quickly. Like, I'm not going to spend this amount of money to watch Mike Tyson brutalize another man for a minute. And then, um, and then we're out all that money. Sorry, kid. It'll be on ESPN tomorrow. And little you know, like it's on ESPN tomorrow because he, he damn near killed a man. Um, that's that's what my mom always said. She'd be like, why do you order those pay-per-views? She's like, the fight could end in 10 seconds. She's like, and you wasted $70 for 10 seconds. And I was like, but like, it's not the fact that it's over in 10 seconds. It's the fact that like, I want, you're, you feel a part of it then, you know what I mean? Especially yeah. when it's a really big fight, like a historic fight. You feel like you were a part of that fight. You've seen it live. It's not like, oh, you waited and then you watched it on Instagram or ESPN. No, no, mom. I've seen it live, like, it almost makes you feel like you were there and you were a part of it. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely. Like I remember I was on my couch with my wife watching Habib climb out of the ring and attack Dylan Dennis. Like I, I remember that because I was there. I was watching it with my friends. You know, this was something that this was an event that, that I remember. It's like, it's part of, it's being a part of history. The, the big difference though between boxing cards and, and UFC cards or, or mixed martial arts cards is that you have a, a whole fight card of like nine fights, uh, six or seven of which you might really want to see. In worst case scenario, there are four fights you want to see, but you have all these other fighters fighting for your attention. They want you to remember who they are. Um, now, now, Badu Jack or, or you know, one of the, the Paul brothers, I don't really, I, I don't want to say I don't give a shit, um, but like, I, I'm not, I don't want to pay 70 bucks to see these dudes that I'm never going to pay 70 bucks to see otherwise, um, yeah. you know. Um, I, I am interested in, in what Israel Adesanya has to say as a commentator. I think that that's pretty cool, but I forgot um, about that. I mean, that's, that's one of my favorite things about this is that, that he's, he's doing commentary. Um, but more than anything, it's just, it's kind of a fight that, 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 that main event is a fight that I want to watch. Um, now I remember like 10 years ago, um, Roy Jones was doing mixed cards. Like there'd be MMA and uh, boxing on the same card. And I thought that that was really cool. Um, and I think that this would have, this would have been very cool if they'd have done something, uh, something similar, but you know, you are, you have Derek Lewis and, and Curtis blades uh, fighting opposite of, of Mike Tyson and, uh, and Roy Jones, but you end up with, a more stacked card on the other end plus it's you know already on espn plus so it's you know like six or seven or eight bucks whatever whatever you pay a month and and it's already there um i don't know i i think that you're more likely to see what you're what you're paying to see uh in uh in the ufc fights uh this weekend um i mean looking at that card that that it's a it's a much more interesting card uh, with Anthony S uh, Smith and Devin Clark, uh, Josh Parisian and Parker Porter. Um, you have fighters that are fighting for, well, some, some of them are probably fighting for a job, but some of them are fighting for your attention. And you've got some, you've got some tough dudes. You have some scary, uh, scary human beings getting ready to throw down and go to war for, for, you know, your entertainment. But then on the other hand, you, you got, uh, Gina Mazzani and, and Rachel Ostrovich fighting, uh, you know, you have. I was just thinking about that fight when you said uh, some fighters might be fighting for their jobs. And that's what I feel like Rachel Ostrovich is doing this, uh, this card. Because she hasn't had the greatest little stretch herself. Yeah, I think she's, man, it's gonna, this is probably one of the most dick things I'm going to say. But I think she's fighting to stay off of OnlyFans. Hey, that's where Paige Van Zandt headed. I, yeah, well, you know, like, we'll, we'll see. And, how I, and, I'm, and I'm not saying I wouldn't get a subscription now for a month just to check it out. I wouldn't be a full-time member, but I'd probably have to check it out for a month. You know what I mean? Just to say I've seen some things. So I met, uh, I met Paige Van Zandt. Her husband, um, Austin uh, Vanderford, 
Uh, his brother-in-law is uh, is a buddy of mine, and he's from uh, Nanilchik, Alaska. So he's like 30 minutes up the road, this little town in the middle of nowhere. I met them at a Thai restaurant. Um, okay. In, in yes, Austin's originally from Alaska. What's up? I said, yes, because Austin's originally from Alaska, isn't he? Yeah, he's from, he's from Nanilchik, this little town in the middle of nowhere where there's nothing to do uh, but get really tough. Like Alaska has some, like our jujitsu guys, our wrestlers, they're, they're monsters. Um, we've got a, a young lady by the name of uh, Liz Clay, who at, at 15 and 16 years old, you had uh, world champions that were afraid to grapple with her. Um, wow. Yeah. And, you know, she's, I think she's 19 now, just got her, uh, her black belt. Like she's just a fucking monster. Uh, but I was so rowing young, her. She was like 13. So young, too. You mean so much ahead of her already getting her black belt? She can do anything with it. I mean, I believe she had a match with uh, Gabby Garcia. Someone was wow. telling me about that. Um, but yeah, Liz Clay, you can look her up on uh, on on YouTube. Oh, that's too. You you have these fighters because there's nothing else to do in the winter, like but get really tough. Um, so if whatever your sport is, whether it's wrestling or freaking basketball. Um, folks, Mario Chalmers, um, Carlos Bozier, uh, these dudes from the middle of nowhere, Alaska, they have nothing to do, uh, in the winter when it's so long and so dark. The only thing to do is get really good at whatever it is that you're doing. And so you have guys like Austin, um, who got really good at wrestling and were able to build a base off of that. So, you know, um, Jared Cannonier, Lauren Murphy, just some really, really tough fighters that 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 started off um, up here where there's nothing else to do. But yeah, but going back to to Rachel Ostrovich, uh, yeah, I, um, uh, who's fighting uh, Gina uh, Gina Danger? Uh, also, also an Alaskan. But I think she's uh, she's also fighting for her job. Not not the same way that that Rachel Ostrovich is. Rachel Ostrovich is is four and five. So, um, versus, uh, Gina's six and four. So, you know, like neither of them, I think have, uh, spectacular records, but at the same time, um, Gina can fight in other, uh, in other promotions. If Rachel gets roasted, uh, this weekend, then, you know, like she'll end up I, in I that, uh, Bellator. she'll be in that organization that, uh, Hawaii, what's the name of that one that she promotes it all the time. Oh, it's slipping my mind. There's a one organization, and uh, she's always promoting it. Her brother fights in it, actually. So chances are she'll probably end up back there. She joined Paige over in Bare Knuckle. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, or like you said, you know what I mean? She's one step away from an OnlyFans. Um, and and it's it's a it's a horrible like I, I think I don't know it's necessarily a horrible thing to say. It's I think it's probably a great way to supplement your income. Uh, for a fighter, and she wouldn't be the first one to do it. Um, I mean, like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Cad Zingano had one. Beck Hyatt has one. Uh, um, Rowdy Beck. Yeah, Beck Hyatt. Uh, yeah. No, no, there's another one. Oh gosh, she's in Bare Knuckle now. She was in Bellator. Came from UFC. Beck Rollins. There you go. Beck Rollins. Oh, she has that one. Was Beck Hyatt. But yeah. Um, but yeah, she's she's got her uh, her OnlyFans. Um, 
yeah, there's uh, there are quite a few female fighters with the OnlyFans, and they're making a killing uh, doing it. Um, but I, I do I would like to see uh, I would like to see Beck rematch uh, Paige Van Zandt. I think that that would be a fun one to watch in bare knuckle. Um, I don't know. I don't know how how Paige is gonna look after that first bare knuckle fight. Like those, it's fucking violent. Um, Charles Bennett actually, I guess just uh, just got picked up to fight in bare knuckle. Did you uh, catch any of the highlights from the last bare knuckle event when they did the whole uh, Paige Van Zandt promo kind of thing? It, I a did. Lot of people, I did. A lot of people thought that was like very WWE style. But what else are you gonna do? Like, if if you know, if Paige Van Zandt is the biggest female that you have signed to your roster, she could be one of the biggest fighters on their on her on their roster. Honestly, as far as a fan base and a following goes, I mean, you've had you've had a couple of uh, UFC guys go over there. You've had uh, Johnny Hendricks got knocked out, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're definitely, like, big, huge names. But, I mean, as far as, like, an Instagram following, she's pushing, what, one, two million followers? Easily. Yeah, Easily. I mean, Johnny Hendricks probably has 100, 300,000, something like that. You know what I mean? I just mean, I, like, that kind of star power. Oh, absolutely. Um, she's she's the biggest thing they've gotten. So, I'm sure the, the promoters told the, the, the fighters before they fight, like, listen, whoever wins, call out Paige. I don't yeah, we need we need her in the ring. We need this. We need fireworks. Yeah, and I mean, so- I, I kind of like it because where they're, I guess, they're like they're a smaller organization. I mean, like they're still in their infancy stage. So I like the fact that instead of just putting it on their Instagram page, hey, here's Paige Van Zandt's debut. I like the fact that they did it during an event, brought her into the ring. And say, hey, look, this is who she's going to be fighting. Here's how it is. You mean, so then the fans that are already watching this event get to see her come in the ring, see him face to face. Oh, well, Paige looks smaller. So I wonder how she, I mean, like those type of things. Yeah. Versus just posting it online. So I did like that aspect of it. I um I think that it adds a couple, a, a couple of years to a fighter's career. I mean, we get to see guys who are always exciting strikers, guys like um, Tiago Alves uh, fighting in bare knuckle. Uh, Chris Lieben coming out to do a couple bare knuckle fights. Uh, Kendall Grove went there, didn't he? What's up? Kendall Grove, he went there, I believe. Uh, Yeah, uh, Josh Barnett fought bare knuckle in Poland. Um, You know, I I heard Frank Mir might be making it over to to bare knuckle. Um, I don't know how I feel about that. I've seen that. I feel he's uh, it's just time to hang him up. I'd rather see him in in, in grappling matches. You know, like that's what I was thinking. Do like jujitsu tournaments, like those kind of things. Well, yeah, submission only. You have like fro- uh, flow grappling. You have submission underground. You have the Eddie Bravi uh, Eddie Bravo Invitationals. Yeah, you have all of these really uh, great organizations. For a minute, you had Meta Morris, and Meta Morris was exciting to watch when you had. Uh, the rematch of Eddie and Hoyler. Um, that was really, really cool to watch. But since then, you haven't seen uh, the grappling on on necessarily on the same level. But I think that if you put in, if you do a, um, a you know, a, a, a no-gi match with 
say you put in uh, Frank Mir versus shit, just about anybody, you're going to have eyes on them. Um, and because it's grappling, you don't necessarily have to worry about the same uh, the same uh, weight issues that you would have in boxing or mixed martial arts. You could say you you could do a grappling uh, match between Frank Mir and Chael Sonnen. And the great thing is, is both of them can take whatever the fuck they want. Yep, steroids wouldn't be an issue, neither would it be an issue. And bless their hearts, uh, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're both retired from combat sports, you know what I mean? So it's, well, Frank's not completely retired. He's retired from the main stage, you would say. From getting punched in the head. Yeah. Unless he goes to bare knuckle, which is, I just don't think it's smart for his health. So I, I just saw something about uh, bare knuckle actually having um, you have fewer con- uh, concussions in bare knuckle than you do in uh, in in uh, MMA and boxing, and part of that is because it is bare knuckle. You're not. I think you're you're less likely to throw a big ugly haymaker if there's a really good chance you're going to smash your your head. And it could be because you're taking less punches. You know what I mean? Because I guess you're. You're getting hit cleaner on, you mean, like, I guess harder and cleaner on the chin. So when they do get that punch, it's like that one, uh, the weekend or two weekends past on Bare Knuckle. What was that? Five or six seconds. Back? I can't remember the fella's name now, but uh, that yeah. was that, the, most, the most damage he took in that fight was when he jumped over the ropes and did the face plant. <laughs> versus, uh, versus that, the, the feller that, uh, Chaos Williams uh, fought a, a couple weeks ago. That dude died. Chaos Williams killed a man in the octagon for ten minutes. Oh my god! I was uh, remember I was reading something about that. His heart stopped. There was another fighter, uh, Charles Charles Ontiveros, the one that hurt his neck in the fight against. Oh, it was a few weeks back. He tapped verbally because he hurt his neck and he got taken out on the stretcher. Charles Ontiveros. Yeah. Well, he he actually uh, stopped someone's heart during an MMA fight too. Man, so uh, Charles Cowboy Olvera, one of my favorite stories about him, and, and you can Google this one up to get the the cool details. But like, he survived a grenade attack. What? Yeah. How did how do you survive like what? I gotta, I'm gonna have to search up. So. Off the top of my head, I couldn't give you the details, but yeah, he was he was hanging out and someone was throwing grenades. What a badass motherfucker! Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're from if you're from Brazil and they're like, "No, you're cowboy, sir. That's your name because you're crazy. You're you're like one of them wild Texans." Yeah, if they're me. saying you're crazy, then you're you're crazy individual. You're you're a tough man. Um, I don't know. I, I, I like, uh, I, I like Bellator. I like that they don't test. Um, I like that. I like that now that Anderson has been released and he says that he's thinking about what his career has. I like that we could get that Fedor fight for 4th of July. I love the fact that he said he's like, I, I have a love hate relationship with Anderson coming back just because of the way he's been knocked out the last few times. I find it's like he's taking really bad shots. But the way he said he was like, it's not that my age that's affecting me. He's like, I made critical errors that caused me to get knocked out. And I agree with that. Like, he did make errors. 
But I think those errors are, you mean, are a reflection of his age. Like, I find prime Anderson Silva, like 33-year-old Anderson Silva, or 35-year-old Anderson Silva, wouldn't have made those mistakes. But if he was to start juicing and go over to Bellator, I wouldn't really argue it. I would like to see it. But he'd have to start juicing, in my opinion, for me to get behind it. Now, he don't have to come out and say he's juicing. But for me to me to think that he can make an honest run with any elite competition, even in Bellator, then he would have to start juicing. And, uh, yeah. I just, I, I think his chins have taken too much of a beating over the years. I don't know, man. Like, we, we talked about super fights last time. I, I think him and Fedor. Oh, massive. The super fight. Like, there's no, there's no belt. Who gives a fuck about a belt at this point? Um, no one, I don't think that there's anyone that wants to see Fedor fight for a belt in any league. But they do want to see him fight. I want to see him fight. Um, I, I was in the dark, <laughs> ugly, scary part of my life. And, and then there was Fedor to guide me to the light. Um, you know, like... It's a weird thing to say, but at one point in my life, Fedor Milianenko was my higher power. Um, so to see him fight, you know, the, the greatest uh, middleweight at all time, a guy who's fought everyone, uh, who's gone up, who's who's gone to 205 and and fought some 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 decent competition, fought a, a former champion in Forrest Griffin. Now, to be fair, in his fight with Forrest Griffin, uh, Forrest Griffin, my understanding is he had been. Uh, concussed pretty badly due to sparring with Vanderlei because that was just kind of how Vanderlei sparred. Yes. Wander, well, sorry. He had that star, like I found when he fought, he just dropped his hands. Sorry, my mic keeps sliding down. But I found he just dropped and uh, just threw the hooks. So, yeah, I could definitely see him being concussed after sparring with him. Well, that was that that shoot a box training, man. Like those dudes were, were they, they, they probably took some years off of, uh, off of their careers i think that I, I mean i don't know for certain but i'm thinking that um shogun hua probably could have done more in the ufc had he not been sparring for van uh, with vanderlei for years absolutely um, you mean spar sparring with guys like that take so much time after your uh you mean your career i believe it was uh tony ferguson I could, I, I could be very well misspoken, but he said it on an episode of uh, the Lunch Truck Diaries with Brendan Chubb. He said that he hasn't trained in years, or sorry, I trained out, he said, sorry, he hasn't sparred in years. He said he just doesn't do it. And uh, when Max Holloway was locked down, he said he couldn't get any sparring partners, you mean, because where Hawaii was in such a lockdown, they weren't allowed to leave their houses. And uh, I thought that was one of the sharpest performances he ever put out. And he had no sparring partners through that whole camp. And I thought his uh, striking when he faced Alexander Volkanovsky the second time was sharper than it was in their first fight. So, do you mean, I guess, once you get your timing and those things down, is pad the way to go? You know I mean, to keep the longevity of your career going? I think so. You know, it's... Um... I think that it's like if you get in your car and and you you redline it every time you drive it, um, you, you're going to burn through your transmission. 
Um, and, and the same thing, if you're, if you're doing heavy sparring on a regular basis, that's got to take a toll on your body. Um, I mean, if you're, if it, if you're sparring for a grappling tournament, if you're sparring for a kickboxing tournament, if you're, spa, if you're going hard, um, if, if you're going bananas, then it's going to take a, it's going to have its whole, uh, take its toll on your body. And so when you have someone like, um, Paul Felder going in and they're going in fresh, uh, they'll, they'll move faster. They'll be quicker because, uh, they're, 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 they're their limbs aren't bruised up from blocking punches and, and kicks and training. Absolutely. And uh, Paul Felder said he's getting back in there and he said we're starting training soon. I read online there yesterday, I believe it was. Paul Felder can continue to fight or not continue to fight and, and I'll get behind whatever he's doing 100%. If he decides he just wants to open up a gym for if he just wants to open up a chain of tanning salons, whatever, man, like bless your heart. I'll buy a t-shirt. Absolutely. I'll support him no matter what he does, but he does need to continue commentating. Absolutely. I love, I love Paul Felder behind the mic. It's just, it's like Joe Rogan when he returned last weekend, him, John Anik and Daniel Cormier in the booth together again. It was just like, uh, it was like harmony. The band got back together. Oh, I even said it to, to my friend while we were doing the show. I said, man, like, they're back. Because we went with the story out during the show while we were texting during the pay-per-view. I said, man, I said, they're back. I said, like, I couldn't be more happy. It was the first time they were all together since the first show after the return of the pandemic. Sure, yeah. So that was, I can't remember what pay-per-view that was. <laughs> Slipped my mind. Yeah, it was April or May. Like it was, it was a long time ago. Uh, last time they were all together, but and we'll, you know, we'll we'll see where it goes in the future. But um, I don't know. Let's let's talk a little bit about the the fights this weekend, um, about the the UFC card because it's. I think that it's an interesting one to. On on paper, you know, it looks like there's maybe three or four fights worth watching, but they're really. You're really talking about folks who who don't have a lot of experience in the UFC who are trying to make a name for themselves. Absolutely. Uh, that's um, what I had my thing wrote down, but I can't seem to find it, so I'll wing it. But uh, I was looking at the card, and it seems like there's a lot of people on it that's going to be looking to make a name for themselves. Because when I looked at it per- like first, I didn't recognize anybody. And I'm not going to lie, I had to dig a little bit deeper to see who they were. The people on the main card... I have no idea. None. I know the co-main event and the main event, the first three fights of that of the main card, I couldn't even begin to tell you. So a lot of these guys are, um, a lot of the guys on this card are, are contender alumni. That's what, that's, that's possibly why, because I never watched the contender series. I've um, maybe watched one fight from the contender ever. There, I mean, there are a couple of them. Uh, I, I've watched, I watched one this season, uh, and that was because uh, it, was, it was the one with uh, Uros Medic uh, when he won uh, his his contract, and it was because I interviewed him two days before that. Head um, to tuning. Yeah, well, he's also in Alaska. Well, he's he's Croatian, uh, but he fights out of uh, of Alaska. He fights out of uh, Anchorage BJJ. Um, so. You know, like I'm, I'm gonna watch him. Uh, one of the guests on uh, a guy who's been on my podcast regularly, uh, 
uh, coach Jared Simmons was his, his striking coach for that fight. Um, you know, for, for the lead up to that fight. So I, I don't like, I, I tuned in for that. Um, but it's yeah, not the, that the, I, the, it's not that I don't want to tune into the contender series. Most, I'm not gonna lie, most days it just truly slips my mind. Like, it's really, really hard. It means they know Tuesday contender series, but it's super hard for me to get that. Oh, I guess drilled into my mind to watch it. Look, because I, I have it drilled in every Saturday, there's something on the go. You mean for UFC? It's just regular. So, as soon as the weekend hits, it's like, oh, okay, it's perfect. There's fights tomorrow. Do you mean? But during the weekdays, I never think like, hmm, we got fights now Tuesday. Yeah, it's the, the contender series isn't uh, isn't something that I regularly tune into um, because I know that if, well, part of it is I know that if the guy has a great week, um, I'm going to see him very soon anyway. And if he, so, if it's a huge, highly finished by any means, it's going to be posted all over the internet within the hour. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and, uh, and that's kind of what the contender series is, is there for, is for the those flash knockouts, because that's what everyone is everyone is there for. That's why they'll put a they'll that's why they'll put a jujitsu brown belt in there with a guy who's a, a monster kickboxer because they want to see the jujitsu guy go for a takedown and either get a submission or get knocked out in the process. That's what everything is based on. Um, and so you end up with a with a whole whole bunch of um, of uh, those sorts of fights. Um, now this is this is interesting, man. Like this, the whole card, the the UFC on ESPN eighteen, um, because I feel like there are some folks that are either fighting for a job or they are fighting. Um, well, for I guess yeah, really for a job. Like Anthony Smith is not up on any means, not by any means on, on a tear. All right. But he's fighting, he's fighting a guy in Devin Clark, who's uh, 12 and 14 uh, with some, with, with some knockouts and with some submissions, uh, but who has been winning fights. Like his last loss was a year ago uh, to Ryan Spann, but his last two fights have, uh, have been unanimous decision wins versus Anthony Smith, who, has not been having such a great time uh, since the loss to, to John Jones in, in March of 2019. Now he recovered with the, um, the submission over Gustafson, but he had a, a rough knockout uh, by Glover and uh, the decision loss to uh, Alexander Rakic. Rakic? Anyway, um, this is, it's really one of those fights where I think that. I feel like that's a breakout fight for your, for either fighter. Like you said, uh, Anthony Smith's been on a, you mean a rocky road the last few fights. I mean, he's had a couple of wins, but they weren't, you mean spectacular, you mean eye-opening wins. So, yeah, uh, I feel like if he came in with a dominant performance or, you mean, a huge highlight reel knockout, it could launch him right back into top contender conversation, you know what I mean? Probably one more, one more highlight fight away from total conversation again well his his wins um that, that that got him to his fight with with john jones right by the way the, the fight with john jones was not by any means a good fight for uh for anthony smith i was another shocked guy by that I, fight i'd rather see he's another guy i'd rather see as a as a commentator the 
the him ducking down and and getting real small and protecting his head um, didn't do anything for me. Uh, the fight with Glover Deshera when Glover was, I mean Glover was was beating him like Glover knocked his his face out pretty rough, you know. Um, and it's it's hard I, I imagine to to rebound from that kind of that kind of loss. Um, but the fights that he had that got him to John Jones, the, you know, the knockouts of, of Shogun Hua, the knockouts of, of Rashad Evans, I believe he retired Rashad Evans like after that fight. Uh, like Rashad Evans didn't do anything after that. I mean, like, I don't know if those are the kind of fights that, that line you up uh, to fight someone like John Jones, unless there's no one else for John Jones to fight at that time. Um you know, he, I mean, he beat Volkan Ozdemir, which, you know, is no, no easy feat, but, you know, he knocked out Shogun Hua with an elbow. Um, the, the fight with Alexander Gustafson, he got the, uh, he got the submission, but the dude has like 50 fights. He's, and, and he's got fights with guys like Hector Lumbar and Tiago Santos, uh, Santos, um, you know, Josh Neer. Uh, Hodger Gracie, but he, they go back, man. His fights go back to 2008. The dude's got like 50 fights and he's been fighting since 2008. That that's a lot of mileage uh, for a, for a combat athlete. Um, and so, you know, I, I think John Jones said it best, you know, like if you were going to be the champion, you'd have been the champion by now. But look at Clover Teixeira. He he's he's could be next in line. I mean, arguably, I mean him or Israel. I hope Glover gets it first. I mean, just because of his age and I mean, you could give it to Israel whenever. I mean, what's Israel still in his twenties? Yeah. I mean, you could give it to him whenever. Get Glover's been fighting killers to get to where he's at, and he's been beating them. Nicely, in my opinion, he's been putting out great performances. He hasn't even been dragging his heels to get the finish. Like he's been going in there and putting in fucking work, whether underground or standing. So, in my opinion, give the man his title shot. Fuck. It'll it'll sell. I'll buy it right now. I'll pre-order the pay-per-view right now. Take my money. Just give this man his fucking title shot. I agreed. I think that if anyone uh, in the light heavyweight division has has earned that title shot, it's Glover Deshera. Now, but but again, you know, like it it takes John Jones vacating the belt to make light heavyweight uh, um, competitive again. Uh, that was like, like the light heavy or the lightweight division with Khabib. Same thing. Continue. Sorry about that. Continue though. <laughs> No, you are you're a hundred percent right. Um, Justin Gaethje, who is one of the baddest men on the planet, was a, only able to make it to the second round uh, before uh, before Habib got on top of him and and uh, and got real real tight on him. Um, Do you believe when Habib said that he chose to switch positions? Yes. I, I like asking people's opinion on it because some people are like, "There's no way." That's someone you do it. I'm like, listen, he's Khabib. Khabib is on another level when it comes to grappling. And I absolutely believed him when he said it, that he didn't want to do an armor because he didn't want to break his arm 
in front of Justin's parents. I truly believe that. But here's what's super ill is, is he, he decided, okay, I don't want to break his arm in front of his parents, so I'm going to choke him. Justin still taps. Do you think I, there was a second when Habib was like, yeah, I really could have gone for that arm bar. This, this dude would have tapped. Oh, absolutely. And I wonder, because Justin's always said he wasn't, he wouldn't tap. So I wonder, did he tap? It means he knew he wasn't getting out of it. And he is, I guess he didn't want to go to sleep in front of his mom and dad. Or I guess you mean, did he say, you know what, fuck this. I just don't want to go to sleep. I don't know, man. I think that if, I think that if I were in that position and it's a choke, I'll, I'll go to sleep. I mean, I've, I've, I've done it before in training. You got to choke in. You know what? We're training. It's let it go. We're, I'm going to, I'll, I'll take a nap. Um, so how uh, much, how much longer would Justin have had to wait? Roll was only three or four seconds. He had to wait. I think it was our two or three seconds. And then he was asleep. So that answers my question there. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, I, I think that he, he, he probably would have gone to sleep pretty quickly. I think he knew he was going to go to sleep. Um, Habib is a strong dude. So He's powerful. Strong man. So I don't know. It's, it's one of those things where like, I see, I see him coming back and, uh, and I see him, I see him fighting GSP and who knows where that goes, but I do imagine that Habib's going to come back. I don't think that he's done. I think that, that the vision of 30 and O is almost something that has to happen. Did you see and, the tweet that he put out yesterday? I believe it was uh, Dana White. See you soon. Yeah. So um, and part of that though, is that if I'm not mistaken, I was looking at a future card and Habib's brother is on an upcoming card. So there's there's a really good chance that, um, you know, that might have been what he meant. Um, but we don't know. Like, it's, it's um, it could really be any number of things. But I believe it's on, it might be on the Hermanson-Holland card. Uh, no, no, it is not. Um, but his brother does, in fact, have a fight coming up. So... So we'll see whether or not he shows up. Um, I feel like all of Khabib's friends are just in the UFC. All of his relatives, everybody. Everyone that Khabib hangs out with can just beat the fuck out of you. Everybody. His, I, bet you his, I bet you his grandmother would fuck you up in a fight. It's like this whole fucking family, this whole, this whole village of people where he said he comes from, they're all fucking killers again it's 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 like up here in the nilchik there's nothing to do but get really tough yeah um, i think the cold the i think the cold has something to do with that too you well, mean yeah. cold, cold up there cold up in russia you know what i mean i find like the cold it gives you tougher skin you know what i mean you you don't really mind the, i guess the other things don't really bother you as much does that make sense to say yeah, yeah, no. So this uh, this some uh, this spring before before COVID popped off, we were doing jujitsu at five a.m. in February. It's twenty below. Um, you have to want to be there. You have to want to walk out to your car, to start your car, to to make the trip to wherever it is that you're going to go, and then you got to get out of your car 
to get to where you got to go. Like it's, it's, it's painful. It's like, it's, it's a, it's a cup of coffee. I, I don't know if you've ever, like, if you have a bidet and you've ever like, you know, blasted cold water in your butt first thing in the morning after you take a shit, but like, it's better than coffee. It's um, it's like, I'm up and at them, man. Um, there's something about the cold that, that I think toughens you up. Like it, it, I don't want to say that it makes you a little bit more pissed off, but it makes you, um, just a, at least a little bit tougher because this isn't, this isn't Florida. This isn't, you know, Southern California. This isn't, uh, North Texas where, you know, it's kind of nice most of the year. This is, it's nice for about two or three months, but everything after that is like cold, wet misery. Well, that's like where I live. Like I live in Newfoundland, Canada. And, uh, Last winter, we had uh, snowmageddon, they called it on the news and stuff. We had like, I don't know, it was like a hundred and something centimeters of snow or inches of snow overnight. And we were buried in for five days and the army had to come in and save us. Like, we were fucked. (laughs) I remember like when I looked out, it was, there was probably five to six feet of snow in my driveway and I was six days until someone got me I mean, with a backhoe front end loader or whatever to uh, dig my house out. It was, it was fucking madness. I'll find some pictures online later and I'll send them to you. There's like some of the plow trucks on the highways and it looks like they're truly driving through nowhere because you can't see no road, no signs. They look like they're just driving and there's nothing else around. It's crazy. So, so up here, we're, we're lucky in that the roads are, are they, they do a pretty good job of cleaning up the roads. Um, but nonetheless, yeah, we, we get those, uh, we, we get those 20 feet snow banks, you know, like there will be a pile of snow in the Walmart parking lot until around May. <laughs> you know, just a, just a random mountain of snow. Um, so, uh, but, yeah, jumping back to the, to the card. So how do you see the main event panning out with Derek Lewis and Razor Blades? So that's that's a fucking tough one. It's a tough one because I love Derek Lewis. He what lets you know when he's got to take a poop. He lets you know that his, his balls are hot. He's but is Curtis Blades going to stand or is he going to grapple? Because he can do both. Fuck no, he's not going to stand. Would you? No. Fuck that. Okay. No. <laughs> no. Fuck that. Because no matter how tough you are, there's a really good chance that if he touches you, he's going to put you to sleep. So that's And even if you don't go to sleep, it's going to hurt a lot. A lot. A lot. Like it's going to hurt a whole bunch. Um, and I think that if, you, if you've got a guy like, uh, like, like Curtis Razorblades, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stand and bang. Um, I, I'd, I'd shoot for a takedown and, and I would do the same thing. I would do my best to do the same thing, um, that, that DC did and just get on top of him and grind him out. Now, my understanding, uh, at least he said before the fight that he was going to, he was taking training more seriously as for Derek Lewis. Um, and you know, I, I know that the grappling in Houston is no joke. Uh, the grappling in Texas uh, is is no joke. 
it's it's a very it's a it's kind of I I think taken uh taken over um California as as the current home for jujitsu there's a there's a there's a good jujitsu school on every corner there's a good black belt on every corner um you have you've got guys um uh like Mark and Montana Della Rosa um uh, who are it, it is a black belt in jujitsu Mark Della Rosa is, is pretty much a surgeon uh he, he, whether or not it's translated into the UFCs is debatable but his scrambles he still looks really good in um but his he's a good coach and he's he's a high level black belt uh his coach um uh Albert Hughes is uh is a, a cyborg oil black belt um the, the dude who did the the tornado guard um but you've in in dallas you've got carlos machado you've got bruno bastos um in in austin you had curtis hembroff he's up here now but you have uh 10th planets all over all over texas um just sort of like setting up little little satellite stationary or station they're, like, they're like starbucks they're popping up everywhere fuck yeah they are except they're better for you than starbucks absolutely fuck starbucks. um oh, would you like yeah. to make a prediction on that fight um yeah i i I'm, I'm willing to make the the prediction that that uh and i hate to say it but i think that that curtis blades takes it in the most boring way possible drag it out and get the decision um, I think you'll or ground and pound and put him out with some elbows. I think that I think that he's got a better chance of grinding it out to a decision and staying active on the top. Um, I think that if you if you make enough space to try and come in with those elbows, you've got a guy like um like Derek Lewis who might be able to knock you out off of his back. Um, but if he is if he's been working on his grappling, if he can, you know, if he can get a decent, uh, you know, if he's got a decent butterfly guard um, or if he's got a decent guard, he might be able to nullify what Curtis Blades is doing uh, from, from the top um, or at least slow it down. Um, Probably a not very exciting decision. I most likely agree with that, but the only thing I disagree, well, not even disagree with, but uh, I think Curtis should try to get the finish just for the simple fact. I know he's going to take it to the ground and be dragged out, but he shouldn't drag it out too long because, you I mean, like, look at Derek Lewis when he fought Volkov. Or, yeah, Volkov, he finished it with, what, 10 seconds left? Probably, yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, you know what I mean? So... It's That's the killer. Team. That's the killer with bringing with dragging out fights with Derek Lewis. He doesn't need to hit you with a combination to finish the fight. You mean so if you're on the ground, you're just dragging it out and dragging it out, and he's able to stand it back up with 15, 10 seconds left and connect. It's over. Do you know what I mean? So I hope that his game plan isn't to try to drag it out. You mean this tire him out because, like you said, Derek Lewis did say that he wanted to take his training more seriously. And he did also say at the end of his last fight that he wasn't coming back until he was more in shape because he felt like uh, his last performance, he was exhausted too quickly and, uh, I mean, just gassing out. And I think he should take a shit before the fight. Absolutely. 
I don't think you should carry around a Derek Lewis poop for 15 minutes. Um, Popeye's chicken. I, I, you know, he's probably off of that. I'm sure at this point, like he's probably got someone making some really good, clean version of Popeye's chicken. I hope he is. I hope he's out at Mike's seafood having a, having a blast, but not really. I think, you know, Derek Lewis is a guy that if he touches you, he can put you to sleep. Um, and, and if he can, and if he can, if he can mash, if he can get in, in Curtis Blade's face early on um, and, and keep Curtis away, use his range, I think that we might see something different. Um, Derek has thrown some, some really crazy, uh, some really crazy punches and kicks. Uh, when he fought Francis and Ganu, granted that fight was not very exciting, but when he did throw these, these weird sort of like switch kicks and, and these little like karate kicks, uh, these, these, you know, they his were fun. Flying to knee, his little flying knee thing that he throws and stuff. Yeah. Now you got Derek Lewis throwing one of those at you. I mean, my question is who, regardless of who wins, because they're going to be on the same trajectory, right? Um, what do you do with Curtis Blades? Do you put him in Singana and wait until you figure out what's in it heavy? Um, so you figure out what you're doing with John Jones? Um, or do you say, you know, maybe you throw him in there, uh, well, I guess um, Alistair has a, a fight lined up, but you know, do, if Kurt or if um, if Derek wins, if Derek has a nasty knockout. Do you do you try for a rematch, a rematch with Ngannou? Because neither of those guys were happy with uh, the way that fight turned out. That's what I mean. Like the heavyweight division is so congested right now, and Stipe is. I lo- I love Stipe as a champion. Don't get me wrong, except for how often he fights. Demand fights once a year. I mean, if we're lucky. So, and he has three, four men that he could easily say could be deserving of title shots right now. The winner of uh, Blades and Lewis could easily be, you mean, arguable for a title shot. Then you have Francis Ngannou already waiting for his shot. John Jones just came up looking for a shot. And when is it? February or March, probably longer they're looking to do the Nganu and uh, Steve fight, I believe. So I know Rosenstrike was saying that he wanted a rematch with Nganu. And I think that that's a fight that, um, that could happen, but I think really the fight to make, um, if you're not going to, if you're not going to make Nganu and, uh, and Steve immediately, then you have to make Francis and John Jones and you pay them both a, a fucking boatload of money and a big boat too. Like, uh, you know, uh, like a, like a mega yacht of money, not like, you know, not like hundreds, but like ones. Sure. Um, but no, I mean, like you, you pay these men what they're worth and you, you get that fight and you make it a pay because I'll pay, I'll pay money to see what, what John Jones at 240 or 250 looks like against a guy like Francis Ngannou. Is he that good that he can go up and he can, he can take this, this dude that's fucking chiseled from like marble. And can he do something against that? Because John Jones was always just a skinny dude. He was a skinny lanky guy who was able to use rent, uh, you know, weight and, and weight distribution. He was, he was like using geometry 
to win fights. He was suplexing dudes he shouldn't be able to suplex. Um, and he was, you know, doing those crazy elbows uh, against guys like Brandon Vera, um, just from out of nowhere. He was, he, he, he made, um, he made elbows and spinning elbows popular again. And he did it in a way that was, you hadn't seen before. Absolutely. Um, so I would rather than, than throwing John Jones in for a title fight, because we know that, um, we know that, that he's not a guy that, um, he, he fights just as often as Stipe. So you throw in uh, Stipe, or not Stipe, you throw in John against uh, Francis Ngannou and you pay both of these men a lot of money and you see what happens. Um, but if, at the same time, if you have, if Curtis Blades uh, comes out and, and runs through Derek Lewis, then maybe you throw him in there with John Jones. Coming back to uh, very quick to what you said, well, we said last time about paying for pay per views, and where you just brought it up. I mean, you said you pay for Engano versus Jones. How do you feel about paying for the next pay per view, knowing that it's the same main event that we pretty much had, except one different fighter? Do you know what I mean? Uh, we're, we're Davis and Figueredo is now the main event of, was it, 257, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, you mean so? Is Tony Ferguson and Charles Oliveira enough of a selling point, really, to get us that card? What else is on that card? I haven't really taken a, a deep, deep look at it. Okay. So, uh, Jacare Souza is on that fight, on that card. Mackenzie Dern is uh, um, on that card. Uh, Hanato Canero, uh, Junior Dos Santos is uh, fighting a guy by the name of uh, Cyril Gain. Now, Cyril Gain is, an, is, is a scary fucking guy. He's a real, real scary man from France. He's six foot five and he's 265. All right. So he, he walks around uh, at 120 kilograms uh, and, and 195 centimeters. Like he's a, he's a large man. Uh, and you have a guy in Junior Dos Santos. Who, I mean, yeah, he's 21 and eight. He's a former champion, uh, but he's coming off of three losses in a row. And all three of those losses have been knockouts. In fact, his last win uh, was in March of 2019 against Derek Lewis. And that was, uh, now that was, uh, in fact, a knockout. Um, but, you know, like he's, he's lost three in a row. Like this is for, for Junior Dos Santos, this is a fight where, uh, if he doesn't win, it's really time to open up uh, Junior Dos Santos School of Boxing. Absolutely. Um, and and I think at this point in his life, he probably should. Um, I think that there's something there's something that happens when you uh, when you divorce the average chick that you were married to when you were broke, and you marry the bad bitch uh, now that you're <laughs> a champion. Um, and I think that what happens is like you stop protecting your head. Um, because these, these knockouts that he's had, dude, he's got a, a knockout to Curtis blades. Now, and if you look at Curtis blades and, and his knockouts, um, I mean, he's got them, uh, but he's, it seems like he's got just as many decisions, but I mean, his, uh, um, Curtis blades last loss was, to, was to Francis in a knockout. Um, he's one of those dudes, man. Um, who is he's a tough dude and um 
going back to, to junior dos Santos, like he's on a skid, man. Um, and, and he's lo- and he's getting knocked out by, by, I'm not going to say he's getting knocked out by guys who shouldn't be knocking him out. These are guys that knock out everybody, but how many of these knockouts can you actually take? Now, uh, the dude that he's fighting, the, 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 the big Frenchman, um, he's got submissions. Like he, he can knock you out or he can submit you. Uh, he's got, he's got heel hooks. I don't know when I've ever seen a heavyweight um, throwing up heel hooks. That's what Frank Mir beat. Was it Frank Mir to beat Lesnar with that? Was that? He, well, that was a, a knee bar. Sorry, knee bar. Yeah, sorry, my bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, all good. I mean, they're, they're all lower extremity submissions. Um, but you don't see too many heavyweights going, uh, uh, going for leg locks. So when you see, you know, when you have a heavyweight that, that can, that can do that, um, it's kind of eye opening. but this guy, uh, Cyril, uh, Cyril Gaines is just, I don't imagine that's going to go too well for junior Dos Santos. So going back to that card, I mean, I'm kind of interested in that, you know, it has, you know, Jillian Robertson's on there, uh, Cub Swanson, um, (laughs) Yeah, you've you've got some you've got some interesting fighters on that card, but whether or not it's something that I necessarily want to pay for, um, Tony Ferguson's the only the only guy on that card. Well, Cub Swanson, I love Cub Swanson, um, but he's the only dude I'd pay to see. But I'm not gonna. I don't imagine that I'm gonna pay for two fifty six. Um, there's something about like you've given us so many good cards for free that like when you're this is what you're what you're charging me for it, you know, it better be really good. Is I think it's time for the UFC to do a, a higher monthly subscription rate. And then it's give us everything for free, everything. Well, not for uh, free, say, give us everything, say for 59, 99, 69, I mean, whatever, whatever the pay-per-view cost is charge us $5 more, $10 more. And then give us the ESPN plus fights. Give us, you mean the contender series? Give us all of that content for just a little bit more than the pay per view cost or something. Because, like you said, they're giving us too much free content and it's hard to want to pay for when you, especially when you know you can find it online. You mean hours afterwards and you can stream it these days. Yeah. So. Let, I mean, let's let's go let's go up to to December nineteenth, right? It's the last fight of the uh, last UFC card of the year. Um, it's it's another giveaway card, but it's stacked. Stacked. It's, it's, I believe their first one of the year words, two is uh, a free Cosmo. one. Is there free? There's sorry to cut you off, but is their first card of twenty twenty free also? Uh, let me check on that, and it looks like, uh, yeah, it's that's the uh, the Holloway uh, Calvin Qatar fight. Um, Another huge one. Yeah, yeah, dude. <laughs> like, you know, you're giving us so many good cards that, like, what are you what are you actually charging us for? Uh, Juliana Pena and Sarah McGann. Like, this is, I believe, Sarah McGann's uh, first fight since uh, since she. Well, no, she fought in January, but she, I know she had a baby uh, in like 2018 or 2019. Um, but she's fighting uh, Juliana Pena, um, a Spokane fighter. I'd be interested, interested in seeing how that goes. Um, you know, she's coming off a loss to uh, Jermaine Durandamain. 
Um, she's got a loss to Valentina Shevchenko. You know, like, yeah, it's they're giving us so many cards that it's it's making it hard to like. How do you sell this? You have Max Holloway fighting for free. Um, you know, you've got Tim Elliott fighting for free. Uh, it, it's hard to it's hard to push uh, push me to pay for that when you're giving us all this other shit for free. And uh, I just want to pick your brain on one last thing before I guess we call it a quits. Uh, Michael Chandler said that he's entered fight camp, and the UFC is. I guess he's and I guess still of who his opponent is. Who do you think it is? Um, I heard DC mention Justin Gaethje. Do you think he deserves it? Yeah, I don't know. Um, Michael Chandler danced around outside of the UFC for a long time. Um, and fought in Bellator and 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 did his thing there. He was their their cover boy pretty well. He was their kind of McGregor. Yeah, yeah, he was he was their dude. Um, so I think he'll probably end up going in there with Justin Gaethje. I think it'll be a bad night for him. Um, because if you look at if you look at the the, the levels of talent uh, between you know Bellator and and the UFC. It's it's not like Strike Force. Like Strike Force had a bunch of murderers, and when they came over to the UFC, they wrecked shop. Dudes lose their their UFC contract and go to Bellator. That's why it's that's why I'm always you see me ranting about the judge or the Michael Chandler thing online. That's why because the UFC's people like they were talking we were just talking about Anderson Silva possibly going to Bellator. Or you mean somewhere else? But that's where former UFC fighters always go, to Bellator. So why is it when Michael Chandler leaves Bellator and comes to the UFC, he jumps right in there with the one, two, and three ranked guys? I think, uh, honestly... Um, is it the name? Is it like a, the where he was the face of Bellator? I think that if you can make the face of Bellator real ugly real quick then if you're dana white you get to say we have the way better fighters over here is that what they do you think that's what dana's doing he's gonna put him in there with an absolute killer like gaethje have gaethje brutalize him and then say you know what we just took one of your top guys you mean we're not took him now but this is this was one of your top guys and haha you mean we destroyed him now he won't come out publicly and say that well, subliminally, is that his message, I guess, to Scott Croker? Because Scott Croker did go publicly a little while ago and say that he thinks the 155 or he has, or 145, I think. I can't remember. I think it was the 35. Yeah, 30, the better 35 because Alexander Volkanovsky tweeted about it also. So, yeah. Is that a dig you think of Scott Croker also to put him in there with a killer like AG? So, okay, so I'm looking at uh, Michael Chandler's record. And while he's got a great record, right, he's, um, he's 21 and five. You know, he's got, he's got knockouts of, of Benson Henderson, um, but he's also got knockout losses to Eddie Alvarez. So it's, it's really hard to say. Now, Benson Henderson himself, former uh, UFC lightweight champion, 
is 28 and 10. Uh, um, but his, you know, his recent losses, Michael Chandler, Jason Jackson, um, you're looking at the difference in quality uh, of, of opponents. Um, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta say, like, I really, I think that it, it that's a big part of it. I think that, um, I think that taking the best guy that, um, or one of the best guys that your agency has, right. The guy that, um, has the most sponsors, right. He's, he's got, he's got, you know, Bellator can still take sponsors, but he's getting, he's getting checks from monster and from Everlast and from all these, uh, these, these big corporations. Um, and then you're like, well, you're uh, you just got a couple of fights. Uh, you know, this is your first fight with the UFC. Everybody starts off with Reebok or whatever it is. Like, I don't, I don't imagine that Michael Chandler is taking any kind of a financial loss. I don't, I don't think that that's part of it. But I think that if you are, if you're Michael Chandler, you have to ask, what, what, what are they thinking? What is their plan for me? Um, because um, if if he runs through Justin Gaethje. Right. If he makes really short work of Justin Gaethje, then then what does that do? Does that set you up for the Connor fight? It's a win-win situation, right? Um, if you're Scott Coker and your guy goes over there and he wrecks shop, then then it's a win-win situation. You're like, well, we had this guy, and I guess he's this. And he'll be this like, oh, he lost a title to our current champion. Do you know what I mean? And he lost his belt to our current champion. So what's that say about your? division over there that's supposed to be the best in the I mean because the 155 division is supposed to be the most stacked in the world so especially, especially in the UFC yeah so I think that if you're if you're Michael Chandler you you're, you probably made a smart deal for your money um but if you are if the U if you're the UFC and you sign Michael Chandler um, then, you know, you're, you're going to do your best to get, you know, every money that you're, every dollar you're spending on him out of him. So, uh, you have, uh, you have Connor and, and Dustin set up for, a, for a fight. Um, although I, I would think it, I think it would be hilarious if you slipped out Dustin, the diamond Poirier, and you slipped in Dustin diamond from saved by the bell, the kid that played screech, uh, <laughs> throw him in there with conor mcgregor at the last minute i think that's entertainment um but i you know like your only option really is justin gacy are you going to put him in there with tony ferguson i like dan hooker well dan hooker's a, a a good one i mean they're they're definitely good fights for him they're 100 good fights for him but if if you think this guy's a killer then you want to put him in there with killers True. And so, you know, you, you put him in there with Gaethje, who um, just fought the baddest man in the world for a belt. And, yeah, you see where it goes. If he looks good, great. If he gets smoked, great. If he starches Justin Gaethje or outgrapples him, whichever, does it then ignite the thought of, hmm, is this a better matchup for Khabib to come back to than GSP? Yeah. Still, no. still GSP just for the mega I, fight. I think it will always be GSP for the mega fight, um, and that goes back to 
um, I choked him instead of breaking his arm um, because that's that's the way it's supposed to go. Right. That was that was father's plan. Very true. Father wanted GSP. Yeah. All right. And with that, we'll call it a show. All right, man. Hey, brother. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure, my friends. And we'll um, link up I, again, I, love- I guess, next in the next few weeks again and talk shop again. Yeah, that sounds great, man. All right. Well, what do you take care of yourself? Right, you as well, my friend. Have a great night. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, and that is Blunt Talk here tonight. I almost said chokes and pokes. <laughs> but yeah, that is Blunt Talk. And uh, until Saturday, stay high and stay blessed like me. <laughs>like to give a very very solid shout out to my supporters iron asylum located at 35165 kb drive behind save you more you can find them on instagram and facebook the gym is open 24 hours a day so if you need a place to work out at two o'clock in the morning i can't think of a better place to work out at two o'clock in the morning call 907-953-4720 for more information again that number 907-953-4720 and red run cannabis company located on the kenai spur highway they are the growers of fine cannabis and the brewmeisters of hashade blueberry hashade and now strawberry hashade they also make can of caps honey sticks peanut butter and they carry flour and concentrates including decarb oil and just about everybody's favorite cartridges now because red run has their own manufacturing facility nobody can beat their prices they also stock edibles from lady gray and creative confections they stock alaskan made frontier cbd so if you're dying get your hands on some cbd gummies some cbd bath bombs and uh, some, some really dope flour. Be sure to check out Red Run Cannabis Company. All right, if you want to make your own edibles, like I said earlier, man, they've got decarb oil. Make your own edibles. All right, go ahead, get busy, get creative, have fun. All right, be sure to ask your bud tender for suggestions. Depending on what day you come in, it might be pre roll Wednesday, it could be Shatterday, it could be Threads Thursday, where you get a discount if you're rocking some Red Run apparel. There's so many different choices and options and so many ways to save money there also by the way they give a veterans discount so if you are a veteran you can get a de- uh, i believe it's a 10 percent discount at red run cannabis company for more information check out weed maps or their website redruncannabiscompany.com hashade and other red run products are available at finer dispensaries in the great state of alaska all right folks here's your cannabis warning Enjoy the shit out of your day. And thanks for listening this far. I appreciate it. You're beautiful. All right? That's not just... That's just not polyester the saint and skate god telling you you are beautiful. We are all beautiful. And you specifically are gorgeous. As per 3AAC 306.360 Alaska Marijuana Control Board Cannabis Use Warning A. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. 
B. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under its influence. C. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. D. For use by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children. And E. Marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding.